0: the laker team now you follow the box scores the games every day just the lakers you're kidding that is really a compliment i was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts you have a game face you don't smile much out there i don't think you have to do things for money anymore correct
1: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius, and we are in the NBA Finals. Lakers win Game 5. Oh, I gotta pull up the box score. Usually, Darius and I will like prepare before the show and whatnot. 117-107. 117-107 Lakers sweep through the West and not sweep but go uh every series goes five games. LeBron goes nuts down the stretch, scoring sixteen points last that I counted. Got me my bottle of wine that I have I'm about halfway through, and this will get progressively worse as the show goes on. Darius, we did it, man. We're in the NBA finals.
2: Just unbelievable, man. You know. Like my wife called me and I sounded like this, right? And she's just like, you're not yelling and you're not screaming. <laughs> but I was really, but I was definitely typing in all caps. Like this team, man, like I know they haven't I think a theme of the sort of presentation ceremony, right, was the job's not done yet. And the job isn't done yet. But I just want to relish
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. This LeBron moment. even pointed it out, right? Like that. Like no, we gotta celebrate tonight. Yes. You gotta celebrate the little. Like it's not life, and this is true in life, right? Like where it's not just like the final destination. That's the only thing that you enjoy on the way there. It's the process.
2: Enjoy your accomplishments, man. Yeah. I, like yeah. Enjoy your your accomplishments. I think back. I think back to sort of the general narratives around this team when they were put together sort and this idea that they were mm-hmm. haphazardly put put together in the wake of Kawhi's decision to join the Clippers in free agency and this idea that the roster didn't make sense and that They could end up being the fourth or the fifth seed in the Western Conference. People pegged the Clippers above them. People pegged Mm -hmm. the Jazz and the Nuggets ahead of them during the regular season, right? Mm -hmm. This team was the number one seed in the West. Then they played what was supposed to be the greatest eighth seed in the history of eight seeds (laughs) And they won the series Uh 4-1. Then they played a team that was supposed to challenge their Mm -hmm. roster construction and a Mm -hmm. matchup nightmare and a team that could flip a series on them in a way with their dedication to their small ball attack and... They beat them four one to advance to the Western Conference Finals. And now in the Western Conference Finals, they played a really game and resilient team. They're so
1: that, good. They're that, gonna be back.
2: And yeah. that I think this pod will probably talk even more about the Nuggets just in terms mm-hmm. of like what they showed us as as a competitor, right? But They've I don't think there's been a more resilient team than the Nuggets these playoffs and they fought all the way until the end, but in the fourth quarter when it was winning time, LeBron James showed up and <laughs> shut the door. And and now they're heading to the finals, right? And there was this right, like the the whole we believe Lakers right has been uh-huh. sort of like uh-huh. a meme these playoffs but
1: that oh, was if of- i can jump in real quick this i'd just be petty just for a moment i have thoroughly enjoyed the degree to which impartial nba media such as your buddy matt have been like quite obviously openly rooting against the lakers and then getting their hearts broken progressively we ran this motherfucker in Five. Every series in five. How much, as good as the Nuggets were, as game as the Nuggets were, how many minutes, what do you think the percentage was? I haven't looked it up, but how much, how often did they lead in this series? Oh, man. Game three?
2: Not very much. Like, they led. Outside of game three? Yeah, they led most of game three. They, or, they, and they led for short bursts of game two, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They probably had some spot minutes, like, early in the game. For sure. for a couple of parts, but the Lakers really did control the meat of this series, mm-hmm. um, and they were the well, better well, team. Getting out,
1: Darius, getting out of the West in five, without anybody pushing you past five, 2017 Warriors, 2001 Lakers, yeah. both of which swept through, right? So we didn't do that, but ain't nobody not been pushed past five since 2000. You had the, the Tim Duncan Spurs in 99. Yeah. And then you got to go back to I think the Showtime Lakers. This was a dominant run through the West. Right? Like we I I just want to take a step because those teams were those were anointed as great teams, with the exception of the 99 Spurs, which we came to later find out. Actually, they were, that was the first. They right? actually of, were a great of, team. Yes. They actually were a great team. It yeah. was just the first time they were a great team, right? Yeah. And so 2017 Warriors, 2001 Lakers, you're talking all time great teams right there. When we have our, our barbershop arguments about the best teams of all time, those two teams are in the conversation. Then you got Tim Duncan Spurs and the freaking Showtime Lakers. That's who this 2020 Lakers team just joined.
2: Look, man, on some levels, I'm speechless, right? Which is a rarity for me. <laughs> you know me. But mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here trying to reflect on on just the ups and downs of what following a team through the course of an NBA season is like, right?
1: Especially this one. Man. And,
2: oh, ev- and all of the challenges— that this team faced and what this organization faced um, throughout the course of what is now been a year. So I was listening to—no, <laughs> yeah. seriously, because I was listening to the pregame availability with Frank Vogel, and um, Bill Orem from The Athletic mentioned to Frank Vogel that tomorrow marks a year from media day for Mm -hmm. this season Mm -hmm. right a year and so it's literally been 12 months since this team sort of had their first gathering together as Mm -hmm. as being presented to the world as a team together right team photos and all the pictures and then they go through their first sort of media Mm -hmm. availability and then go practice or whatever that was
1: 12 months ago it's and, crazy. I remember that. I remember that vividly. I remember like standing waiting to get that first glimpse of AD in the Lakers jersey. It's just
2: and then to think everything that's happened this year like the mm. China controversy and and then and then Kobe Bryant's passing and then and then COVID And then throughout all of that, too, like, the Lakers sort of showing themselves as being a top team, but always sort of having those lingering doubts from the first conception of them after they were formed, coming at them and nipping at their heels, right? And so... Like, you remember some of these conversations that were being had around this team when they jump out to a fast start and it was, oh, well, their schedule's soft. And then it was, oh, well, like, well, they still haven't beat the Clippers, right? And then it was, oh, well, they went East, but they couldn't beat Philly, and then they couldn't mm-hmm. beat the Bucks, And then it was sort of just like, okay, well, is this team for real? And to now have them in the NBA finals as as sort of them believing in themselves. Yes. Right? Yes. Like there is this there is this conquering of the outside noise. And and you and I have oh, sort of talked so about this group and their own sort of resiliency and their own like mental fortitude that they've had to show throughout the year and their ability to rally around themselves in ways that you wouldn't expect for a glamour team and a glamour organization and a team led led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Right. You would not expect like the narrative on this team. You would think that the coronation that they're going to receive now as they go into the finals has been the adulation that they've had all year. And there will be people that will try to make it seem like that is the case. That like is this not is a foregone
1: ca- conclusion. That, it's not, absolutely. That is not Bro, the case with the team. I thought we were like the third or fourth best team in the NBA you, going into this season. And you, I'm
2: a Laker fan. You and I had real conversations about this team, about what they lacked about like look man i'm not here to call you out of all people right no because no, no, no. i think you yeah, and it's... i have looked at this team with clear eyes the 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 entire time so on some levels while while we thought this was possible on some levels it's mm-hmm. like a surprise to us even yeah this was like best case scenario eight mm-hmm, to
1: ten mm-hmm. months ago right right because well, they, they also they also got better darius like that that's the thing is that whether it's individually as as people with the team or you know even outside of basketball uh like we are not stagnant right like we're not yeah. stagnant entities and this team constantly stayed together and worked together and adjusted and this is something we'll get more into the basketball of this game in a little bit right but the the constant self scouting the ability to be honest with yourself and and be like You know, and that, and with yourself and a team concept, that's all of these different personalities with egos. And you can, there's a dozen different ways that can go sideways. And they continually got better as the season's gone on to the point where, like, the last, the last, you know, crown jewel on top of that has been like, oh, Anthony Davis is actually like high-level playoff scoring option, yeah. give him the ball and get the hell out of the way type of guy. And there were so many, like, I think back to opening night where we had Troy Daniels in the rotation and Quinn Cook yeah, and Jared Dudley was playing, right? And thinking of that team, that is a different team as we're but almost a year later. Fundamentally
2: different based yes. off of the mentality that this team has built over the course of the season has been defense first, right? And every player now that is in the rotation is sort of trying to meet that standard Mm -hmm. that has been set throughout the course of the season, right? And when you talk about getting better over the course of the year, it's like, remember, man, like DeMarcus Cousins got hurt and then they signed Dwight, well, Dwight Howard, right? They ended up releasing Troy Daniels. And then they got a Markeith Morris. They got Mm. a... Dion. Like, they released Cousins. And then they got Dion Waiters, right? Avery Bradley doesn't come to the bubble, which honestly has, like, not been as big of a story as you would imagine considering... The teams that they faced, like, look, mm-hmm. this team had to go up against Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, and then they had to face off against James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And then this series, they faced off against Jamal Murray, who totally elevated his—like, talk about players who elevated their game and improved mm-hmm. over the course course of the season. There may not be a player standing yeah. in these playoffs no. right now who that more applies to than, than, well, than Jamal Murray— and Avery Bradley's not here. The Lakers mm-hmm. have have found a way to basically not have that matter at all. Alex Caruso has stepped in and filled a much bigger role in the playoffs than he did at any point during the mm-hmm. regular season, even when Toronto was out. 26 minutes tonight, plus 16, leading the team. Look, man, I had just tweeted out this stat right now, but... I have been calling for that Caruso-Dwight-LeBron trio to play more, right? Mm-hmm. And just find ways to get that trio on the floor because they have been a mainstay for this, for this team all season, right? And tonight they played 15 minutes together. They posted a plus 14 in the box score. In those 15 minutes, they had an offensive, Lakers had an offensive rating of 134.4, a defensive rating of 90.6 in those 15 minutes. Like, look, man, Caruso was huge this Mm -hmm. game. He's been huge all playoffs. He he was a primary defender on Damian Lillard. He saw time on CJ McCollum. He he saw time on James Harden, right? Like, He has been a key part of their small ball lineups. He's been a key part of lineups when they've gone big. One of the biggest sequences in this game to me was when he got isolated on Jeremy Grant in the fourth quarter. The Lakers were already sort of seizing control of this game, but he took away the three from Grant. Then Grant thought, oh, I've got a smaller dude on me. Let me bully him a little bit. Crusoe cut off his drive. Right, slid with him. Grant tried to go by him again, and then end up having to settle for an 18 foot foot jumper that misses. Braun goes full court. He barrels into Murray. No call, misses. Gets his offensive rebound, kicks it out to Caruso, and Caruso so. had a wide open three. Right, he easily could have shot that three. Instead, here mm-hmm. comes AD leaking back into the play. Right, stepping
1: into the jumper.
2: Stepped right into the jumper, buried that three. Like, Crusoe was great this game. Just all of these guys, man. Like, you talk about Soar, sort of the individuality of each player within the team construct. And there are times where teams can go sideways because of all of the little, like, individual agendas that each individual yeah. player can have about... Like, where's my minutes? Where's my shots? Where's my touches? Like, I should be in. I'm better than this player. I didn't hear a peep of that all year with this Lakers team. There nope. was leadership from the top down within the organization, from Rob Polinka in terms mm-hmm. of setting and the roster mm-hmm. together. And Happy Jeannie birthday, Buss. Jeannie, by Happy the way. Happy birthday to Jeannie You got a good birthday present tonight. <laughs> right. But Jeannie Buss stuck with Rob Polinka. Like, mm-hmm. think back even beyond a year from now. Oh, yeah. Magic Johnson is on first take throwing yeah. Rob Polinka under the bus.
1: Well, and you know, so when we're
2: like, who the fuck is this guy, man? Like, we're the Lakers. Let's get a dude in here that's done this before. Lakers went radio silent, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's literally no word from yeah. anyone to sort of, like, try to push back against these negative narratives that, well, that were out there. Instead, what happens was... Polinka gets a promotion, right? Mm-hmm. Now that happens during the season, but that only happens during the season because the fruits of his labor from the off-season right. are now bearing fruit, right? Like mm-hmm. like it's right there. But he put this roster together. Then he, he hires Frank Vogel, right? Who was not the first choice, maybe wasn't even the second choice, but he was the right, right. choice.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: AD LeBron. Everyone buys in. Everyone always talks talks about like players sort of taking on the identity of their coach. Well, Frank Vogel is a defense first, smash mouth basketball coach. And how does this Lakers team play? They play defense, and they punch you in the mouth by going to the paint over and over and over again. And there is this reflection, like there is this synergy. That yeah. exists and that's what you find in really good to great teams. And it's yeah. exciting yeah. now to see this team reach the finals by being one of those groups, by being a team that has that synergy, that has that that alignment. I
1: wanna I wanna give Anthony Davis some credit in this as well, in that the personality of this team is a really hard nosed, kick ass defensive team. It's yes, that is Vogel's mo but it doesn't work without anthony davis who's a bad mf for on both ends of the court mm-hmm. i don't know if you saw the the little video i tweeted out of ad is talking very authoritatively this was during game four and he's talking to lebron and ad they're standing next to each other during free throws and ad's talking to him and I did you don't that. even know what's being said right but whatever he says lebron like looks down and nods like yeah you're right and you you got it right, and so like the the Vogel the, again. This is a it's a top down type thing, right? The the Vogel to a D. It's A D is the on court enforcement of what we're all about on the defensive end. Can I just say that something
2: similar happened this game, right? And Braun was barking at A D. I don't know if you caught this, but when you mm, get I did when you get your film on the on the rewatch, yeah, 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 you'll see it. Braun was barking at A D about. Um, i don 't know if it was a defensive miscue or what exactly the context was, but he was definitely barking at him after a defensive play and a d turned and looked at Braun and gave it right back to him, right hell yeah and, and he basically explained himself, but did it forcefully. In a way where it was just sort of like, "Hey, man, like I know what I'm doing too. This is what what I saw, and that's just mm-hmm. competitive juices, right? Yes. Two guys who want to win. It's beautiful. There's no conflict yes. there. It's it's there's it's it's not like that at, at all. But it speaks to the idea that you just presented about." AD being able to sort of carry his own and be a leader in his mm-hmm. own way and
1: right. We always talk about LeBron as the leader. Obviously he is, right? But AD has his leadership in his own way. Well, it's like, look, this is a team with like a star core
2: quarterback and a star middle linebacker.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right?
2: And AD's that middle linebacker. He is the quarterback of the defense. Mm-hmm. And LeBron is definitely the centerpiece of 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 the team's offense now basketball is a two-way sport both those guys contribute at high levels on the other side of that equation too right but it's LeBron who is most dictating to me how offensive possessions flow and if that means they're going to flow through Anthony Davis and they're going to flow through Anthony Davis and a lot of that is going to be based off of LeBron's decision making defensively to me it is AD who is the one who is at the middle of of everything there was a twitter conversation that i jumped in to and it was this idea about um where zach lowe was talking on one of his podcasts after i think game two or game three and it was this idea of how some teams have their internal metrics that say that lebron was actually like the best defender that was on the lakers this year which like, I don't doubt that LeBron, so I don't doubt that those metrics exist. LeBron was a part of some of the Lakers' best defensive groups, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he got to play with Dwight Howard and Alex Caruso a lot at the start mm-hmm. of second and fourth quarters, and AD played a lot of his his minutes with JaVale McGee at the start of the first and the third quarters, and then Rondo, in yep, the second yep. and fourth quarters, he had minutes with Rondo, but... The person responded back. I think it might have even been Harrison that said this. That he basically said, "You, you, you know, like that's great that Le- that these metrics exist." And LeBron was great on defense this year, but Anthony Davis was the team's best defensive player oh, come this on, year. Man. Yeah, and, thank you. And I had jumped in and said, "I agree." No one was asked to do more on defense this year than Anthony Davis, and he did it at an incredibly High level, right? Like no one was asked to do more than him. And it's one of the reasons why he had my vote as defensive player of the year. It's because he wasn't just a weak side helper. He wasn't just an on-ball stopper for his position. He was an on-ball stopper against centers he was a non-ball stopper against power forwards he was a non-ball stopper against small forwards he was a non-ball stopper against shooting guards and point guards right when the lakers would switch and or he would just play at the point of of attack and that sort of embodiment of the defensive philosophy of what is really a core tenet of what this team's identity is, that filters through Anthony Davis. And when people talk about LeBron buying in defensively, one of the reasons he's buying in defensively is because Anthony Davis is a leader on that side of the floor. And Mm -hmm. when you have someone who performs to that level, game in and game out, the rest of the players are going to line up right next to
1: you. And that's why, the, that's why the personal dynamics between players matter so much. Yes. The type of exchange that you talked about in this game where AD shot back at LeBron, those are built on mutual respect when they go well. When they go poorly, right? If you, and you don't have that respect—that—that's when it can go poorly, right? Yeah. And and so all of the work that was done from even the players training, players only training camp at the beginning of the season to build that bond, uh, AD with clutch, right? AD and LeBron have that relationship. Just the LeBron and AD being in so locks, such lockstep, like in terms of how they complement each other, in both in with respect to their actual on court games, but also their personalities, you'd be hard pressed to find a better duo than these two in terms of fit. Yeah. In terms of how they fit together. We can debate, you know, Shaq Kobe in terms of production and and accomplishments and all of that. Obviously they they were together for much longer. They won three titles together. I'm not trying to make this a you know that two that duo versus this one yeah. type of thing. But LeBron and AD being in such lockstep. How could anybody, how could the rest of the team not fall in line?
2: No, that's exactly that. right, man, and there's a there's just a leadership component. Yeah. And yeah. I've said this all year. One of the reasons why LeBron had my MVP vote was not just because of his on-court production, which was astounding, in a lot of ways, but it was his leadership. It was his leadership through the hard times that the organization faced, but it was just every day him bringing the effort to go with the production, right? Like last year he had pretty much all the same production that he had this year, but the game in and game out effort was not the same. As what mm-hmm. it was this season. And the ability to lead not only vocally, but by example, those things go hand in hand, right? And, yeah. s- and so this, this idea of, I'm going to be one of the hardest workers, I'm going to be one of the most productive players, and I'm going to be one of the most vocal teammates, right? When you're all three of those things at the same yeah. time, and... Mm. Mm-hmm. And you know how to offer the whip, just like you know how to offer the carrot, right? Mm-hmm. That it's that it's that you're both sides of that same same coin. Um, that's what to me propels you as a group, right? And I think LeBron had that this year, and I honestly think AD had that this year in his own way. And when you've got players who are that naturally talented and that gifted, but they're also going to work as hard as these guys do. And they're also going to be as accountable as these guys are and game in and game out. They're going to give you the type of effort that they give in order to win games. And they're going to take like the middle, like a road trip in the middle part of January Seriously, right? That they're going to say, oh, yeah, well, we've got a back-to-back in Utah and Denver. Guess what? We're going to sweep that.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that look we you know job's not finished as Kobe said and Dwight reiterated recently. But I do want to talk about the West, right? We won 17 straight, I think it was road games in the West. You mentioned narrative earlier, and this is something that the deeper that I get right into um, covering the team and now being a member of, of the organization, I just I shake my head that. This team, despite expectations not being on that level, has done some like all time great things, like the actual objective accomplishments. 17 straight wins on the road in the Western Conference. Do you know how nuts that is? And then to get out of the Western Conference playoffs yeah. without home court advantage, right? Yeah. yeah. Without getting pushed past five games. Just a those great- are those are all-time type of, of accomplishments. No matter what we thought this team was going to be, what they've actually done is all-time great stuff. I, I want to take a break because we gotta, we got to throw it to break at some point. Yeah. When we come back, we're going to continue doing this. We'll talk some of the actual game. Yeah, let's talk about uh, and, the
2: game because this was a really good game. This was a yeah. really good game.
1: Yeah, get into LeBron, all that. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets the best people fast unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay for what you need you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts plus indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. So right now, go to Indeed.com backslash podcast. Terms and conditions apply, and the offer is valid through September 30th. The NBA and NHL are playing for gold, and our partners at Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So this was the lebron game as a score oh you got your notes i love it i love it i do (laughs) uh so the lakers made an adjustment to their pick and roll attack in this game that i thought was helped catalyze lebron as a scorer i have to explain a little bit of context to get the full picture here so most of the pick and rolls that the lakers run with lebron at the top of the key are not really designed for lebron to be the scorer on the play That if it's there, he'll take the opportunity. But that's not usually what's going to the result of that. What they're trying to do is to get a single side tag on the weak side, which gives the defense the decision of, am I going to, the weak side wing defender, am I going to step in front of the role man, who's Anthony Davis or JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard, one of our vertical threats, or am I going to stay with one of the Lakers shooters, Danny Green, Casey. Danny Green, by the way, we won't talk about much as... Bad as he's been for most of this series, he was fantastic in that second half. He was so good this game. He was so good this game. Well, like, let's he, get to it later. Let's, yeah. let's get to it in a little bit. So so anyway, the what we're trying to get on most of our ball screens is a single side tag. And this is out of what's normally a spread pick and roll for, formation. And so what that means is that there's a shooter in each corner. And one shooter on the wing. And then the the screen, the screener setting the screen for LeBron, right? Those are the five guys on the court. And you LeBron can either drive or I'm sorry, LeBron usually drives to the side that has two players on it. Two offensive players on it. And what Denver had been doing off of those strong side guys had been stunting on him. And what that means is so there are what's called single gaps and double gaps. And a single gap is a a smaller bit of space to drive to the basket. It means that if you're at the top of the key, a single gap means that there's somebody on the wing, right? And the wing, picture the wing as being the free throw line. Imagine the free throw line went all the way across the court from sideline to sideline. And so the wing, the the offensive player is standing behind the three-point line around the horizontal plane of the free throw line. And... Denver defenders were helping off of that wing defender when LeBron would drive that way, and they were forcing turnovers. They were forcing him to not get as deep into the paint. And this was in, while our strategy was to get the single side tag on the other side of the court where there's just the guy in the corner, force that guy to make the decision. Denver's stunts and our spotty three-point shooting had was really an effective strategy uh, against us in that respect. And we had been screening with a lot of guards and doing things like that. What we We ran the same spread, pick, and roll set a ton in this game, and it was a little bit different. Rather than sending LeBron to the side that had two players on it, two of our offensive guys on it, they sent him the other way to the side, where there was just the guy standing in the corner. Now that is a double gap. That means that LeBron's at the top of the key. There's nobody on the wing, and then there's that player in the corner. So there's more space. If you've got, if you're going to help off of the guy in the corner, you got to go a much longer way, and it's a much more wide open shot if you do that. So what we would do is we would set what's called the ram screens with usually Danny Green, uh, sometimes KCP. Where that's that's a screen-the-screener action. So say Dwight, who played 35 minutes, a season high, I oh, believe, man. this season, right? 35 minutes for him. Uh, we'd set a RAM screen with Danny, which means we would screen Jokic or whoever was defending Dwight. Dwight would come up to set that pick and roll as Jokic fights around Danny's screen. And so you get a little bit of space between Dwight and Jokic. That also means that Jokic is dropped back a little farther and... He's a much he's a better pick and roll defender when he's up higher, and it allows it when the farther back that Jokic is, the more of a head of steam LeBron gets to get coming off of that. So we'd set this ram screen with Danny Green, he'd screen on Jokic, Dwight would come up, Jokic would fight around, and then Dwight would act like he was gonna come up on the side, sending him to the side of two players, and then adjust his angle to the double gap. And LeBron would drive to the basket that way. As Jokic is coming up, so his momentum's going forward, and now he's got a hedge on that. Or if it was Plumlee, we attacked Michael Porter Jr. on this a couple of plays, and that was the the scoring difference because LeBron's jumper until the end, anyway, the fourth quarter wasn't really falling. And for the first three quarters. But I, I loved that adjustment that they made to rather than, you know, I was saying, you know, LeBron's just going to shoot this jumper. They did something better, right, to to get him into those double gaps, getting him to the basket, got Jokic in foul trouble, attacked guys who can't hedge like Michael Porter Jr. Just a fantastic adjustment to get LeBron scoring going.
2: I thought also, too. And so Jokic got in foul trouble early this game. And I I made I have a note here. Jokic foul on the fast break. Remember, it was
1: I couldn't believe he did
2: that. He gave a euro foul. Like they call that the Euro foul because in Europe, in Europe, that is common practice to Mm -hmm. make that foul in transition, right? Where and it's all over the league now. Everyone makes that foul now. But it really is a Euro foul because in Europe they will take that foul every single time in order to deny a fast break chance. So, it's early in the game. Lakers are out in transition. LeBron has the ball. Jokic just wraps him up. Or it was AD. I can't remember. But he gave the foul. And I made a note here. Jokic foul on fast break. Bad foul. Will it matter? Right?
1: Mm-hmm. I've got a few more I notes
2: here about live ball turnovers, because there were two of them. Uh Denver was doubling a D at that time too, like Mm -hmm. in the post. And so these are just my observations. And then I drew a little arrow. Yes, it does matter. Second foul, (laughs) second foul on Danny green drive because Denver, I thought Denver was doing smart things on Danny green in the first, first Mm -hmm. half they were really closing down on him hard which is the right play to make on Danny Green you want him trying to attack off of the dribble that is not a strength in in his game he's been awkwardly effective at times this year making floaters and Mm -hmm. he threw a lob to Dwight early in the game and I was just like oh Danny you're really trying to like piece it together here but this is not your game They ran him off a corner three. He drove and he just said, F it, I'm not stopping. Like, Jokic is going to have to like pick me up here. And he did and he fouled him. That was with six minutes and 11 seconds left in the first quarter. And Malone took him out as he probably should have, right? They went to Plumlee. And when they went to Plumlee, that's when that adjustment really showed up that you're talking about within the pick well within the pick and roll and honestly it's even more effective against plumley a because he is not as physical in fighting through screens and b he is a na- he is even a more natural drop coverage player than mm-hmm. jokic mm-hmm. and one of the reasons why is because plumlee's a bouncy guy right he is a bouncy mm-hmm. defender and he's even bouncy on 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 offense too and he rolls really hard within the pick and roll and i thought plumlee plumlee's activity this game actually gave the lakers some issues at different stretches during the yeah. game but plumlee Likes to be in drop coverage because he'll bait you into throwing that lob, and when he's backing up, he can still elevate to knock away that lob. But Braun was just like, "Guess what, buddy? I'm not throwing that lob. Like I'm, I'm, I'm attacking double gap, and I'm coming right, and I'm coming right at you." And, and he was finishing, and I thought to myself, "Ah, look at Braun. He is." He is just in attack mode, and he is really trying to get downhill. And I thought, this is, he's going to find his rhythm this game. And he got into it in, in a way that by the time the fourth quarter came, right, and I don't want to jump ahead too much here, but, <laughs> just, but just in terms of LeBron and what he was this game, by the time they got to the fourth quarter that's when he decided i've got everything going offensively and now i th- this is where i think that my little theory from the last pod about him dictating the terms of mm-hmm. of engagement mattered because yep. he basically said i've been getting downhill every single game they're really going under on me now because i've been scoring this way, not because they're baiting me into taking a jumper, but because it's what they have to do. And that's right. when he started to say, I'm uncorking this jumper. And then yeah. it was going in. And then that fed his momentum even more like, yeah. OK, everything is going for me now. Now, whatever choice I make offensively, it's my decision. Right. Like no one is no one is baiting me into any to to anything here. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. I'm the best player in the world. You have nothing to stop me. And it, and it was an avalanche of LeBron James buckets. And it was just amazing to watch this dude control the terms of the game at the highest level, man. Like, mm-hmm. this is a closeout game to get to the finals. And he basically put, put his foot down. Just what a performance from this dude.
1: Yeah, his he started the game, right? Like, he'd been trying to attack the basket, but I believe his first basket of the game was against Jeremy Grant, and he very patiently, you know, dribbled himself all the way down, Yeah, made, I think, a little lefty layup. He got hit in the um, head, remember? And he sort of man, tried to sell it, it,
2: but but whatever. But he got hit Bro, in the head.
1: The, the people crying about the refs are just cracking me up man Paul Millsap getting 11 free throws <laughs> just throwing his ass all around the court and you know that flagrant foul is one of the just come on man
2: oh, anyway. believe me people were in my mentions about that because I basically said like Dwight Dwight threw his shoulder in to him I thought he was just trying to box it. well he was just trying to box if that's it a fl-
1: if that's a flagrant foul there are 20 flagrant fouls every game like that is a basketball play.
2: I thought Dwight, look, I've watched enough Dwight Howard to know when he's actually going at you and right. when he's just doing and when he's just playing physical Dwight game, right? Mm-hmm. I've I saw a year of him when he played with Kobe, right? 80 something games. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then I've seen him all of this season. And it's not like Dwight Howard's not a popular player and wasn't on TV for pretty much the entirety of his career, right? I've seen a lot of Dwight Howard.
1: One of the most physical players in the NBA,
2: yeah. I know the difference between when he's trying to go at you and send a message Mm -hmm. and when he's trying to basically just play a physical game. And look, Dwight was—this series especially— he's been going for every he's been going for every box out he's been making sure that if there's a nugget player that's even within two steps of him he is going to put his body on that player in order to try to be effective to make a play right he did it on offense and he did it on on defense i did not think there was anything like egregious that he was trying to do there i think that he dipped his shoulder to get into a box out his shoulder hit milsap in the chin i could understand milsap being upset about getting hit in the face a little bit i'd be upset if i got hit in the face and i could understand Millsap sort of taking that personal right and maybe even thinking it was on purpose the the part of the game though was also like the nuggets were down milsap's a veteran guy um he did something very similar in the Clippers series where he took like a physical shot and then he took it personal. He got very animated and that helped turn his team around. And Mm -hmm. that happened this, this game too. Denver went on like a little push and they picked, picked it up. And then our boy, I'm going to say this, our boy KCP hit a really big 18 foot jumper at the top Mm -hmm. of the key Off off of a curl, that classic KCP set that the Lakers have been running for him for years now, right? Mm-hmm. That goes back to the Luke Walton days, mm-hmm. that that double wide pin down that mm-hmm. they run for him. Stepped right into it and hit that jumper and settled it all down. And to mm-hmm. me, that was a key theme of this game is that you knew Denver was going to push and that they were going to fight back and that and they got it from different places this game. It wasn't Murray and Jokic. It was Paul Millsap throwing his body around and getting to the foul line. It was Jeremy Grant hitting some big jumpers and getting yeah. to the foul line too. He was it great was Monty Morris. It was yeah. right there was he this was a, Morris like, was yeah. It was just a lot of back and forth and a lot of guys like leaving it out there all on the floor. And once again, the Lakers made the plays, man. Like kcp alex caruso caruso man tell me what you saw from caruso this game b because to me it was sort of that classic role player caruso game on both sides of the floor
1: yeah man just the cutting his cutting on offense in the first half was phenomenal he he went to set a split cut and they doubled ad in the high post and he immediately dove to the basket, got a bucket off of that. LeBron was operating in the post and he had a a weak side wing cut off of that. Just the, there's a, this is cliche, but there is an actual, I always talk about the algorithmic nature of basketball, the if then, right? Like if a guy drives to the basket, attacking a closeout from the corner and Racks, racks baseline, right. So he instead of driving middle drives left. That means that your weak side wing is your cutter there, yeah. right? The if you know defensively, the his ability to close out and recover, it, just all of the from a coach's standpoint, I like you can totally tell he's a coach's son. Yeah. In the and, and since he doesn't have the offensive responsibility of a LeBron or an Anthony Davis, he's available to dedicate a hundred percent of his attention to those things. And he's just he's a, a clinic in how to play basketball, in what's supposed to happen, and not in a not just in a he plays the game the right way type of platitude, but in a yeah. like this is actually how basketball works, right? And yeah. and it's so it's part of what I loved about Lonzo, right? And we've talked about the Caruso and Lonzo comparisons, but the but Caruso does the makes the correct read relative to what the defense or the offense is doing more often than just about any role player you'll ever see, and he does it with speed, and he's got hops, and he's yeah. fun, right? And so there's it's this combination of making the correct basketball play, making the exact right rotation with a hundred percent effort every time, but also he puts some hot sauce on it, right? Yeah. It's just it, he's, I mean he's a guy that's really indicative of the reality of the Lakers organization relative to the narrative of the Lakers organization nationally, right? Is He's this guy that we, you know, where did he finish like sixth in the all-star voting for the guards, right? Sure. Everybody rolls their eyes like, there go Laker fans again, overrating this player. And like, they don't get that. Like, you know, no, is he a Damian Lillard type of guy? No, but he's a guy that, he really, he's a really good basketball player. He's not just a meme. And the fact that the Lakers have been able to both recognize and develop him to the point where this is his first year on an NBA contract. Dude just played 26 minutes at a plus 16 in a very impactful plus 16, right? Like not just he was on the floor when other dudes were going nuts. In a closeout game, Of the Western Western Conference Conference Finals, finals exactly.
2: Look, man, I'm. I mean, look, we've heaped praise on Alex Caruso for the better part of two years now. I think, um, you know, Caruso's parents would probably just like you could make a highlight clip of all of our pods discussing him and, (laughs) and and like send it to them as like a Christmas gift, right? Based off of just the amounts of 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 good words that we've laid at the feet of their son, right? But the truth of the <laughs> matter is is that he is an incredibly smart basketball player and he combines that with real physical tools, right? and 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 effort. And, and effort. So there is an there is there is a Venn diagram of physical tools and smarts and effort and he lives right in the middle of that right now yeah. he's now if you add a talent circle to that venn diagram right he may not live in the middle of that part right sure Be, because he's not the most talented Player, his handle not the still is guy either. Yeah, like yeah. like his like his skill game is like a little bit lacking, and and his jumper is not as pure. Right, like a lot of times you and this is what sort of makes him memeable in a way, and why I don't think he fits into the classic like coach's son. Ideal of what people often think of like a coach's son where it's like the sweet shooting, like especially when it's a white player, right? Where Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, this is the sweet shooting, not athletic guy, right? Who like runs all over the floor and plays like Duncan Robinson or plays like J.J. Redick, right? Mm -hmm. Like, no, this dude is 6'5 and he will bang on you if he Mm -hmm. has a runway to do Mm -hmm. so but he also has all of this feel and smarts for how to move around the floor for the types of screens he needs to set for Mm -hmm. the angles
1: at which he needs to play and he takes joy in those things too right like he takes a lot of pride and joy in being really good at those things and so just a really
2: great i don't want to go too much longer on caruso here and we went on like a tangent right but um just a really good Caruso game yeah. when i thought that the lakers really needed like another guy to sort of say like hey this is a big game like let me let me do my thing here because we need it and yeah. and he did a lot of like really smart things like as a cutter too where it wasn't just cut hard and into the open space it was cut hard and then linger for a second, because one of the things that Denver has been doing is they have been tagging cutters, right? And they've been using cutting action against the Lakers in a way, in order to, in order to stay legal defensively, mm-hmm. to stay in a legal guarding position to continue to pack the paint defensively. That's right. And so what they've been doing is, is they've been tagging the cutter, and then they've been stepping back and showing higher, but staying within the lane in order to deter drives and make sure that they are in better position to guard the ball, but mm-hmm. not... To guard the cutter. And so what Caruso was doing is, is he was, he was cutting through, he would stay, he would act like he was going to vacate, but then he wouldn't vacate and he would lurk and he would linger and then he would duck back Mm -hmm. in. And that's just smart basketball. And in a game, I honestly thought that this would be a game that would be one on the margins, right? Because super competitive games almost always are.
1: It's- and also, like, when you play, like, Denver's really good. That's the last thing I really want to talk about. And when you're, like, we were at the point of the series where they were adjusting to the adjustments we made to their adjustments to, that they made to our adjustments. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, we're, we're so deep into the series that there's the ability of players to read on the fly the way that Caruso can is really important. Yeah, man. And I just thought,
2: look, when it was time... To do your job, mm-hmm. right? Um, the Lakers just had so much of that today. So yeah. I, I want to pivot really quickly back to Danny e. Green because one of the things I thought the Lakers were doing as well that was a nice little adjustment is they were running that Ram screen action the way that you described it earlier during the pod, and they were doing that to pretty good effectiveness. But Denver was starting to adjust to that. And so, In the second half, especially, yes. So, what the Lakers started to do was set double drag screens for LeBron, and they were using, and they were doing that to hunt Jamal Murray, right? Yeah. Because Murray was clearly not 100% physically. There was a report at halftime that he was having like some knee issues with a knee contusion. He looked like he might have been having some foot issues as well. And so, he looked hobbled. And if you're going to be hobbled defensively out there, yeah, good like luck. you got a big old bullseye on your chest when mm-hmm. you're playing against LeBron James. And so they, what they tried to do was hide Jamal Murray on Danny Green, right? Because Danny Green, actually, he's one of the few guards who actually doesn't set a lot of screens for LeBron. They typically mm-hmm. use... Alex Caruso for that or they use KCP for that because normally it's the point guard who's guarding those guys right but right. they put Jamal Murray on Dan Danny Green so the Lakers started to run some double drag actions yep with, with the, the set, big with, and Danny yeah yeah with the big and Danny and so it was Dwight who was setting the first screen and then it was Danny who was setting the second screen and let me tell you man that three-pointer that he hit From the top of the key. key. Mm -hmm. You know what my notes say? Hmm. You love DG now, don't you? Right? (laughs) Because, because, honestly, that was just a big... Like, look, we talked about this the last pod, but in those moments, especially like those moments that are in the fourth quarter of a relatively close, close game, those are heightened possessions, man. Like... I saw Caruso throw the ball away and basically almost decapitate himself by how hard he hit himself in the head. Uh, What are you doing? Yes. Right. But they know the, the the players themselves. They they know the value of these possessions. And so when Green hit that three, I was just like, "Oh my God, what a big shot from Danny Green!" And then to pile that on top of all of his great defensive possessions. That block that he had at the rim. On the rotation. Yeah. On the rotation. The block that he had on Jokic when he peeled off of the double team and I think it was Murray kick kicked the ball back to Jokic and then he recovered to Jokic to force him off of the off of the three point line, right? And then slid with him, got behind him and then blocked the shot. Then Denver recovers the ball. TNT highlighted this possession during their highlight package. The ball got kicked to Mando Morris and Danny Green was like he was going to be late on that closeout. He yep. knew he was going to be late. There's no way that he's actually going to get there to to bother the shot. Guess what? He got on his horse anyway. He ran his ass out there as fast as he could, jumped Mm -hmm. with two hands up just to sort of give that dude something in his line of sight. Mm -hmm. The ball went in and out. Who knows if Danny's contest actually had anything to do with that shot missing. It's not the point. But that's not the point. He made the effort play, and that that was a three or four effort play. By Danny Green to get over the top of the screen to fight to actually get down and stay with the ball handler to peel off to contest Jokic off of the line to then block Jokic's shot and then go and chase to the corner. Come on, yeah. man! Like yeah. th- that's why when people phenomenal pile, second half from him. That's why yeah. when people pile on Dan, well, will Danny Green, I'll never do it. Like I'll, I'll say <laughs> no. I'll, like I will point out that he missed a shot or that he made a mistake, but I'm never going to be like, "Oh, Danny Green, like you're trash." Like or Danny Green, like you need to get get out out of the game. To me, it's just more like, "Oh, like Green is struggling right now." Like because that's what it is to me with with Danny Green. I always know that he's trying. I always know that he's working to try to make the right play. It may not always work out for him, but I was Of all the players I was happy for this game, he shot up my list of guys I was happy for. He did not have a great series, but this game he played his heart out and made some big plays that mattered to get this win.
1: Like, just absolutely, man, he, you know... I I'm a little less, you know. I I gotta be careful about what I say. Lord knows my Lord knows the spiciness in my DM group chats where I can say what I want to say uh, is is certainly turned up uh, in in recent months. But his defense in the second half was, you know, like you said, Murray was not was not himself, but he certainly contributed. To that, but more so that team defense, those rotations. A team like Denver is so remarkable on the offensive end. That's yeah. That's what really stands out to me about our journey through the Western Conference playoffs is Denver, Houston, and Portland are three elite offenses. Yeah. Right? Like, And our ability to defend them—Denver was the toughest of the three— it's particularly because of Jokic's pick-and-pop ability. I'm curious to see what the the finals look like, right, whether it's Miami or Boston. But the our ability, or, or Danny's ability to rotate with size, it's something that's noticeable when he's out of the game, right? Like, he's the only big guard that we have. There are lineups, there are times where we're playing some combination of KCP, Rondo, and Caruso, where... There's a rotation, or there's a switch, or there's something yeah. that I think that like I know Jan- Danny Green is shooting like eight percent in this series from three, or at least it feels that way. But we could really use like a six-seven dude right here. Yeah, yeah, and, He's strong uh, and sturdy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and so for he he frustrated me this series for sure, right? And I'm a little oh, less me, like me yeah. too. That's why I was happy for him this sure. game. Right. Sure.
2: Because there is a certain amount like, look, man, nothing gets me more than like a good redemption story. Nothing mm-hmm. gets me more <laughs> sure. than people who are sort of like burying you and you coming back from the dead to to do something good and mm-hmm. and to sort of like show that the value that you do bring to the floor. Sure.
1: F- That's my I ask, night. Night, Right. is like, like, just do what you do. I'm not asking you to be anything that well, you're not. I will say this too,
2: man, that, like, I know that he's the shooter, right? I know that he makes the third most money on the team. I know that there's a lot of things that sort of go into the Danny Green criticism. The thing that, though, that matters a lot to me when it comes to, like, role player guys in general is, do you play hard? Do you know your role? And do you try to play within your role to the best of your ability, right? I don't care if you make $50 million if you're a role player, right? You're a role player. Like, sure. try to do the best damn job that you can within the context of your role. And that's something I've never had a doubt with Danny Green about, right? Like, the ju- has his jumper, like, been not reliable enough? Sure. Is that frustrating as hell to see him, like, take a wide-open corner, corner three, that, like, you think he should probably make, like, 50% of the time, and he's made it 32% of the time? (laughs) Right? Like, that's... That sucks to watch him miss that shot. But I always think, and this is where I think my, my empathy comes in, no one... No one feels worse about that than Danny Green. No one wants that shot to go in more than Danny Green. And when it doesn't go in, I, like, and then maybe he hesitates, like, on the next one, you get frustrated even more, right? And it's sort of just like, oh, come on, Danny, like, do what you're supposed to do and, and just shoot that with, with confidence. But these dudes are human, Right. Mm -hmm. Things sort of get in the way of them being the best versions of themselves every single night. But I can guarantee you this dude is trying hard. He's making his rotations defensively. He is and he is really trying to really trying, really trying to be the best version of of himself. And sometimes the shots don't fall. But guess what? When he makes his rotations and he gets a block shot or he gets a deflection or he runs a guy off off of the three point line those things matter
1: too man those things matter a lot
2: they do. and they do and so i was i just want to say again i was super happy for that dude just like i was super happy for dwight howard like we saw orlando dwight a little bit this game man mm-hmm. he got he got some deep post touches he hit that righty jump hook that looked like it was uh-huh. from behind the backboard like I squirted just, out of his hand yeah right I, I, I was just like oh look that's orlando dwight right there right they got him a post touch was really happy that he that the lakers looked for him a couple of times on deep seals Kuz hit him one time lebron mm-hmm. hit him one time he drew fouls on those um He's been wanting that
1: that entry pass, like, all year.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, also, too, man, like, Lakers ran that pick and roll. Dwight got down downhill. Um, LeBron threw the lob a little late, so Dwight didn't go up to catch it and dunk it. But he came down, drew Jokic's fifth foul. That was important, right? There were lots of little things this game that, like, mattered that don't always, that weren't, oh, that's a big basket, right? Because obviously all those big baskets by Braun mattered. All of those plays that Caruso made mattered. That huge three by, by AD and some of the fouls that AD drew to get to the line. Um, mm-hmm. Just there was a lot of stuff that obviously does show up in the box score that matters. But there was a lot of stuff the Lakers did this game that you, you'll never... You'll never know what happened unless you actually watched it and maybe even rewatched it to see all of the intricacies that went into some of these possessions. And that's why this yep. team is advancing, man. That's why they're yep. going to to the finals. Because honestly, game after game after game, they make those plays. And yep. that's what really good teams do. And it's and it's really great to like watch them watch that belief and commitment to those things pay off because it's been like that pretty much all season
1: it's it's really gratifying this has been just an incredible season and uh we're going to the NBA finals my my parting thoughts are just uh the Denver Nuggets i have a a lot of respect for them for how they compete for the leap that Jamal Murray has made for how Jeremy Grant played in that series for Jokic's really unique skill set you know, their most of their core is twenty five years old and and younger, and in a league that I just think the the way we talk about the league is so narrative heavy, and it's just like this is this is so dumb. They're they're a team of Hoopers, and I really respect what Denver brought to the table in this series, and looking forward to watching them going forward. What are, what are your kind of closing thoughts on this series against Denver?
2: I would second everything that you said about the Nuggets. Um every year I feel like you look for the up and coming team um, or like who's next. Right. And in the world of the NBA, that is really like a star making league and, mm-hmm. and where you lean on the stars so much. Um, a lot of that conversation has not been about players on the nuggets. Right. It's like, here comes Zion and, and John ja Morant mm-hmm. and, Um, And for a while now, like um, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, right? And those are great players, too. I'm not Mm -hmm. knocking those guys at all. And those guys have a bright future, of course, right? Um, But Jokic and Murray showed themselves to be like in that group.
1: Yeah, and they weren't weren't handed, they weren't anointed to be that. They've earned that spot.
2: Yes, like, and you've talked about it over the course of this pod, but sort of like the the ascension and of them as like a team, right? And like, oh, barely missed a playoffs. And then oh, like great first round showing, right? And then, oh, they're in the second round now, like good for them, right? And now like, oh, they're in the conference finals. That's, that type of evolution is and growth and continuity with their roster um that's meaningful and mm-hmm. I feel like that needs to be celebrated yeah. as much as like the star making that I feel like the league does a lot of right and that's
1: exactly I, it right is is that like they they weren't handed any of their like their status in this league or they they've earned every bit of it in a league that i like there's way too much star making go earn it go beat some teams go make the playoffs go you know go do it before we start handing things to different players you know what i mean and i just i just dig them i i and the, you know a couple of years ago i was like man fuck that guy you know what I mean like sure. dribbling around Lonzo right and and just uh the shot making and the progression in Murray's skill set in particular it's too bad that he was not obviously physically 100 percent. yeah he
2: was hampered this game mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in a way that I thought mattered right sure um and who knows how this game goes if I mean he's 100 healthy too, right I'm, like yes, right was, yeah you know was, like this
1: is part of being in the playoffs yeah so if
2: if i was going to close with anything it would like especially about denver it would be that right just just sort of really enjoying watching them compete and and you you know to to sort of bring this series full circle we had talked about like appropriate fear and um making sure that the lakers carried enough respect coming into this series it, now that the series is over, I would definitely say that whatever the Lakers thought of them before this series, the Nuggets earned the respect yes. that they were due before it by the time the series is over now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's any higher praise that I could give a team, right, is that over the course of of a really hard-fought series, there was no gimmies. mm mm-hmm. In this, And Denver made it so that this was as stressful a Western Conference Finals mm-hmm. as you could imagine for a series that ended in five games.
1: That's right. They, they played to the limits of their talent level, right? And they should be proud of, of what they did and use it as a springboard going forward. But nonetheless, Lakers in five, just as yeah. it was throughout every series in the West. We will await our finals opponent. Um, hopefully we get some good rest. AD rests up that ankle. LeBron rests up that quad. We're feeling good. Get to dive into the tape of both Miami and Boston. Um, and we'll be here to cover that. Uh, congratulations, everybody. We are in the NBA Finals. And once we get to, we'll, we'll have a series preview up uh, after we know who our opponent will be. And then we'll cover each game of the finals just as we have for every playoff game up until this point. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room podcast. We will catch you guys
0: next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic,
2: got
1: it.
0: Magic fires again. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Campbell in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left, here's Van Exel, this is for the win, he got it! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, an amazing performance by Kobe. Shot with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans I'm sticking I, around for this You're seeing something that's very rare indeed A Laker to get MVP Here's chance right, in, Boston, in Boston Of all places Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over Kobe, hard to believe Are Got you it. kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down Lakers by three Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Beatrice jogging back didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Scores. Two, That's score. one, missing! Bryant, unbelievable. yes! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?